There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Welcome back to the Pure Hoops podcast. I'm BJ Armstrong and my great co-host Eric Newman will have to rejoin, rejoin us next week, but I'm not flying solo. Today, we have a very special guest. He goes by the original, if you see him on Twitter, as the original Gerald Brown. He's the host of the Bottom Line Sports Show on Sirius XM. We would like to give a sincere welcome to this week on the Pure Hoops podcast to Mr. Gerald Brown. Gerald, welcome to the show, my friend. Uh, BJ, you forgot to include the fact that it's dashing, debonair, uh, extraordinary, <laughs> man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. <laughs> Well, you know, that's for episode number two. But right now, we just want to make sure that everybody knows this is the original Gerald Brown, Harlem's finest, Harlem's own. And uh, we really, really want to thank you for uh, being a guest on the show, my friend. Well, well, thank you so much. I appreciate being on here. Looking forward to it, especially knowing that I'm flying, I'm, I'm flying first class. So now that you're not flying solo, I must be in first class. Because, you know, well, it's always said nothing but the best for the best. Absolutely. Well, today's show we're going to call, we're going to be real, but not perfect, Gerald. So let's get okay. into it, my friend. Let's get into it. We're about a quarter of the way into the NBA season, which is about this time, Gerald, that you and I say we talk a lot off air, but you can kind of figure out things, 25 games or so, what's really going on in the league. Gerald, the pace of the play is up, even from last year, which give or take should make, you know, the game more fan-friendly for basketball fans. But, Gerald, here's my big question. Why do you think the TV ratings are down? I mean, they're down like 25%. What's going well, on I, here? I'd I, I be honest with you, and I mean, let's just keep it real. I mean, honestly, look, I live in on the East Coast. I live in New York, and um, you don't – I'm not staying up to no 1030 at night when I got to go to work the next day to watch – uh, the Lakers, the Clippers, and we live in a society now that, you know, in the morning you can get up and watch your sports program and get the sort of uh, the condensed version of the game and you can read about it, whatever. So I, I, it just doesn't appeal. The fact of the matter is, you know, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see exactly how the league thought about this in terms of when the migration of a lot of these stars went solely out to the West Coast, how of a, a you know a, a, an imperfect balance it would be, where you forgot all about the East Coast, and that's no disrespect to guys like Giannis, uh, Joel Embiid, but let's be honest, they're not really ready to carry the mantle and the torch for the Eastern Conference. So it's a significant drop, and 
I mean, it's really right there for everybody to see who's really going to stay up for a 1030 game to see the Lakers play the Jazz. I couldn't I couldn't agree more with you on that. I think once all of the players began, you know, in particular, LeBron James, I don't think the league, Juro, and tell me if you agree with this or not. I don't think the league really knew the effects of LeBron James when he went from the East Coast to the West Coast. We didn't know if it was because of his shift or for what you alluded to earlier, that, you know what, at 1030, I got to go to work. I got kids. I got a family. And I'm just going to shut it down because the games on the West Coast just start too late. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know what, I beg to differ. Listen, I believe that the NBA has a lot of capable people in their front office and in their, their marketing department. You know, he just didn't go to the Sacramento Kings and, you know, one of those organizations, uh, you know, no disrespect to them. He went to a cornerstone franchise, one of the blue bloods, if you will, of the NBA. And look, it revived a Laker market that really had fallen on some hard times. Uh, you had a situation where a shift where the Clippers were going through a transitional phase of no Chris Paul, no Blake Griffin, the Lob City era was over. So LA was sitting there and there was nothing there to draw in your, your NBA fans. And I think that honestly, they said, you know what, listen, we might cut our nose off despite our face, but at the end of the day, we revive a market out in LA that, oh, by the way, is bringing in not one but two NFL franchises to go along with their respective baseball teams to now make it once again a thriving market and something that's desirable by all fans and as well as athletes. You know, Joe, just switching uh, gears here a little bit here at the Pure Hoops podcast. Again, you're here with Gerald Brown. Joe, I've always wanted to ask you this. We've touched on it here. We've discussed this like you've heard throughout the media load management what is the relationship of the pace of the game injuries and load management what do you think they're all related to one another is or is this just kind of a phenomenon with all of the injuries and all of the load management what is the relationship you think that they all play with each other I, you know it's funny because people sort of in a sense, believe that load management all of a sudden just started. You know, I, I had the fortunes of being a ball boy for the New York Knicks many a years ago. And I can recall late 80s, early 90s, where you, you had guys sitting out. I mean, BJ, you played in the game. What was to stop you from sitting out if you kind of had a little, uh, you know, your elbow was hurting or, you know, your hamstrings were tight. I mean, you didn't sleep well last night. You know, uh, you needed a laxative. I don't know. It's just the thing is there has always been low but, management. Hey, if you were a ball boy, were you the ball boy that was, my stomach was always upset when I drank the Gatorade there in the garden. What was going on there in, in Madison Square Garden, Drew? No, my brother, you were the guy that probably was going outside <laughs> sending for that street meat on 34th Street, getting you some of that street meat. And not agreeing with your stomach, you know? You've been so accustomed to eating filet mignon that you're going out there eating pigeon. That's not always a good thing. But um, it, 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 you know, I, I've always believed that it's been there, where now it's been giving sort of a title, you know, in terms of a, 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 a now a description to go along with something that's always been there. Guys would just be out. They're DMP. They weren't playing. Um, now we need to know 
a lot more. And I mean, that's society now. We we need to know as much as we can about any anybody and everybody, you know. So now it's like, well, why is this person out? We want to know that. Um, it's been there. And I don't know, you know, I believe that honestly, a lot of these guys are not built like the guys, you know, that you played with and you were a BJ when you were playing with the Bulls and in that era of basketball where you knew that going into the season, you looked to play 82 plus games in a season. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, I'm always talking to former colleagues of mine who happen to play in the NBA and drill. I, you know, as I watch these young men play today, they're playing so fast. And I always ask myself the question, if I was playing this style that they're playing today, would I be able to last for 82 games? And Drew, I'm not sure. And I think at some point you have to listen to the players and you have to listen to what they're saying. And clearly the pace in which these young men are playing today it's a problem. Their bodies can't handle it, whether it's overtraining or what have you. And their only solution is load management. And the only thing that I can see that's different from today's player and, and the way they play, let's say 15, 20 years ago, is the pace of the game. And maybe the game now and the way the training and all of the technology that we have, equipment that we have, We've basically pushed maybe the body, and I, I want to ask you this, have we pushed the body to its maximum? Is it at its limit? Because clearly these young men can't play 82 games at this pace. You know, BJ, I'm really ashamed of you. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm really ashamed of you because if I didn't know to, if I don't didn't know any better, you would have me to believe in anybody that listens to this wonderful show the fact of the matter is that you never played in the NBA, nor did you ever play at an elite level where at the end of the day, I think you had told me uh, players had to wear their own uniforms and had to wash their own uniforms. I, I, I'm That's not correct. buying into this whole nonsense about, oh, we play it too fast. It hurts my, it's hurting my glutes and all this other stuff. No, let's be honest. The game today is a reflection of the lack of skill development. <laughs> okay, where back in the days you had guys riding hold on, on hold. commercial planes. Yes, I, I'm gonna call it like it is. You said we're gonna be real, we're gonna be we're gonna be real, but we're not gonna be perfect. So let's call it what it is. It's an acceptance of a lack of fundamental skill development. And now we're passing the buck and saying, well, at the end of the day, it's this reason, it's that reason. BJ, the NBA made a pro made a decision long ago that's coming back to haunt them. And the fact of the matter is there was no G League in place. What the fact is, is that they wanted to get these kids straight from high school, open up the floodgates. They're going to sell tickets. No more Michael Jordan. Until we find, i.e., the next great thing, we're going to go ahead and let all these high school kids in here. And the NBA fell in love. Oh, we got Kobe. We got Tracy McGrady, KG, all that. But along the way, they forgot to start teaching these young kids and these young men how to play the game. And I mean, there's been so many instances of that in terms of just the development. I mean, I mean, think about a few years ago when we had a young man, Jaleel Okafor, a high lottery pick out there in the street and having these whole run-ins at clubs he's not supposed to be in. 
it's it's been a point in time where at the end of the day the decision long ago as i said before with the nba to allow young players in minus the teaching the understanding what it is to really mean to be a professional how to sort of perfect your craft to now it's at a point where now these guys are breaking down because the fact is yeah they're running a lot faster they're jumping a lot higher but at the end of the day their skill set is that there is no basketball high basketball IQ or, or on display so i'm not i'm i'm going to call it what it is they made a decision to sort of garner more attention, more money. Once Mike stepped away, you got LeBron, you got Kobe, you got T-Mac, you got KG. But along, oh, by the way, you know what? You let in a lot of young players that today, they don't have the high basketball IQ. And that's why this game is in the situation it's in. And thus, where well, we have a situation with load management. I'm going to keep it well, real. Yeah, one of our... Oh, absolutely. No, as we should here at the Pure Hoops podcast and you know, in any era, I think we can all agree on that on this one is that James Harden is a very skilled player and he's averaging around what, 38, almost 39 points a game. I think 38.7 might please verify that points uh, a game this year. You know, only Wilt Chamberlain has averaged more points and had a better season from a statistical standpoint. You know, this year, Harden and Westbrook, that was one of the biggest off-season acquisitions for the Houston Rockets, and it's had a lot of question marks. Two MVPs, former MVPs, and we didn't know how this was going to turn out. They had a great win last night up there in Toronto. How do you think that pairing of Westbrook and Harden is working out so far? I I, I think it doesn't change anything, I mean, to the the real basketball fans, especially those that, that listen in here on Pure Hoops. You know, you know, when you when you start to look at the Rockets, it's kind of like a few years back how we viewed the L.A. Clippers and those that watch them and say, well, they're great, but they got to make it to the Western Conference Finals. You know, that was the narrative associated with the Golden State Warriors. And I think somewhat that is a narrative that can be associated with the Houston Rockets. Listen, we've seen what, what we've we've seen exactly how great of a scorer. Uh, James Harden can be. Uh, we know what Russell West. But how great of a score is he, though, Gerald? Is he a score? Is he a is he is he a dominant player? We know he's putting up numbers. The guy had sixty points the other night, Gerald, in thirty minutes. But is it is it a dominant sixty? Is it just numbers? What are we looking at here? Break it down. I think those, I think those numbers can be deceiving. I think those numbers can be deceiving because. This is where is something I had mentioned before on my show a while ago. You know, I've, I've always been up in arms with players or now the narrative that every player is a great player. You know, if you listen to people, they have already said Luka Doncic is a great player. And I'm he saying, isn't a great player, he done? He isn't no, a, he's not. He isn't a, no, he's a very why, good player. Why, why not? Why isn't he a great player? Why he's, I'm going to tell you why he's a, a good player. Because he held, he's only given you a sample size of work that he has done thus far. And again, it goes back to my original point where we talked about the lack of basketball IQ, the fundamentals. You have a lot of bad players and bad teams. That's but in sure, the you can't hold it against him that he's only in his I, second year, can you? But BJ, I'm going to hold it against him because I know what I've seen before. 
You mean to tell me if this, you mean to tell me that you think that Harden as well as Luca would be this effective if they played in the era when you played against the bad boys, against those Milwaukee Bucks with Ricky Pierce and all those guys? Come on, BJ. Come on. You said keep well, it well, real. Sure. Well, look, look yeah, we, if we're going to keep it real, Drew, it's a different game. It's, uh, I, we can't compare eras when we have different rules, right? It's just like me saying, how do I think? players of then how would they compare today you know the, the game is different the rules are different but what, what i can say is that luka Doncic and james harden in this era they're putting up spectacular numbers and you we have to acknowledge that now if we start comparing them to yesteryear then that's a that's a different conversation but they are great players in this era well, let's 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 be honest, and I think again that's one of the cop outs associated, even with the excuse for load management. How you were talking about these guys are playing so much their bodies can't take it. Let's be honest. How much has the game really changed? And last time I checked, there's still one basketball, there's still two hoops, they still play four four quarters. Okay, they have timeouts. Uh, it, last time I checked, those are still the rules that are in place. Yes, they do not allow, you know, yes, you sort of can get by without playing defense. Defense is not a, re a requirement now. So how much has really the game changed? Or is that an excuse that we use? I mean, look, when I think about great players, at the end of the day, it's the eye test. And what I'm saying is, no matter how much it is, it hasn't changed that much, BJ, to the point that we cannot sit up here and say, oh, after less than a year and a half or year two, he's not even through his full uh, two years that he's a great player. And then what James Harden is doing, BJ, you could probably get 60 against some of these bad teams. Come on, keep it <laughs> well, real. I, I wouldn't go keep that far. Real, I wouldn't BJ. go that far. I wouldn't Come go on, that BJ, far. <laughs> well, let me ask you this then. I'm going to ask you a question. How much would you score an average in this day and age? Or better yet, how much would Michael score in this day and age? You, you know, I was uh, this morning. I had a had a meeting with a with uh, one of my good uh, good friends, uh, Joe Dumars, and we were talking about the game. And we asked this question: We were like, which players you think that played in that era would benefit even more so in this era? And it was two names that popped up. And before I answer your question, it was two names that popped up. And I thought, man, that, that's a great call. One was Ralph Sampson. If Ralph Sampson could play in this era with these rules, with his skill set, wow. And the second one was Scottie Pippen. Those two players, if you allow them to play the way the rules of the game are set up today, with their athleticism and their ability, what they were able to do physically and their basketball savvy, I think those two would really take their game even to a, another level because of the rules. How would I play in today's game if I were to play? I, I really don't know because the game is a game that I really don't recognize. Like, I don't, whenever I watch a game, I always comment about how many shots i see where guy just one pass and shot dribble up the court shoot it you know two pass you know you see guys go to you know on the fast break they're not running the fast break to to shoot a layup they're shooting they're running to the three-point line so i really don't know i would hope that i would maintain the same mindset which is not how many points i'd average or how, you know 
and anything like that, but to try to win the game because the way the game is played today, Jero, sometimes I get – it's kind of confusing as you watch the game. You, you know, you watch people put up massive numbers. We talk more about the individual stats than we talk about people's contributions to winning basketball games, and that's the one thing that I never, ever want to lose focus on. Okay, well, let me just ask you one more time because what you did was you gave me a politically correct answer. It's almost like <laughs> you're not, running for all. Politically. No, yes, you did, BJ. Yes, you did. <laughs> I asked you plain and simple. How much would you average in today's game as well as your, your former running mate, I really like Jordan? Don't give me no Scotty. I, I because you're being disrespectful to George Gervin and Alex Inglis and some of the I, other great players now. That Don't do that. You're being disrespectful. But those, those, guys, weren't, those guys weren't three-point shooters. And but those BJ, guys didn't play athletically. You, I have, I really have no idea because of oh, the way the BJ, game is played. Come on, and and they're and, and, and Gerald, like when I played, the game was played from the inside out. See, so most people, most people, we compare stats without identifying the game, and this is the to me, this is the major problem that I have with sports today, is that we start comparing eras when it's two separate games. When I played, I played in a game that was played from the inside out. I've never played a game, Drew, where the game is played from the outside in. But BJ, I don't know that we, game. I we, don't. We, I don't know that game. I don't. I, I, that that game doesn't register with but me. But BJ, we saw. We we've seen in your era stretch for Sam Perkins, Frank Burkowski, just to name a few guys. Detlef Shrimp. We've but, seen guys that were perimeter scores, and yes, I understand that. Uh, uh, we had um, Golden State Warriors by Don Nelson in terms of giving us a, a sort of glimpse of what the future would look like. But I think that sometimes maybe that's kind sure, of like but, a but, but sure, again, again, did any of those players you mentioned win the championship? I think Sam won a couple championships. Okay. He gave, he gave you a glimpse. Okay. So when you say a glimpse, you're, you're actually making an imprint on the style of play. You're making so, an imprint on the style of play. The, those players played and they did things, whether it was small ball. Don Nel Nelson went small ball. Don Nelson was playing positionless basketball before we even gave it a name. There's a lot of things that we've seen. But what matters is what makes an imprint on winning? Imprint on winning. For instance, go ahead. Bill Russell made an imprint on winning. Will Chamberlain. The center position, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, those players made an impact on winning. Jordan's biggest impact was up until Michael Jordan, we never thought in this league that you could build a team around a two-guard, a scoring two-guard, and make an impact on winning. Traditionally, this league has been built around bigs, whether it's the four or five or what have you, whatever you want to call them, that you play from the inside out. It is only recently until this era with starting, you got to start it with the Golden State Warriors, where we're talking about it's possible to win without a dominant big. I, I agree with you on that, but I'm saying but the, the biggest thing that I think that you're leaving out in terms of guys making the adjustment going from this era, playing in this, uh, guys playing in the past, in the past era, playing to this era, is because, like I said, the, the key thing, the basketball IQ nowadays is so low. You mean to tell me right now, BJ, on this podcast, you don't believe that Michael would be a, a super effective basketball player in this today's NBA game? I, I think Michael would average this is, 40. This is the, okay, Michael may average 40. But again, I'll say what I said beginning because that was overlooked. 
averaging 40 doesn't mean your impact on winning because averaging 40 doesn't translate to winning the game like it did in that if somebody averaged 40 and you were only getting 75 or 80 possessions that's a different impact on the game the three-point shot has changed what 40 points scoring in the game means we're watching we're watching right now Giannis average 31 32 points a game in 31 minutes as a starter in the NBA now the significance of that is he's only playing about 30 he's not playing over 35 36 37 minutes a game this young man is playing a very efficient and very effective game in limited minutes but they are a dominant shooting three-point shooting team which really has an impact on the game so when we start making all these comparisons without taking into account how the game is played then we're missing the context of the conversation by just focusing on a specific content of it but i, I don't but know goes- how michael michael jordan i don't know how michael jordan would do in the game because if you're not shooting threes in this game it is hard to maintain a lead because now a 10-point lead in today's game doesn't mean the same as a 10-point lead that it meant back in that era. And you have to take that into account. You can't just disregard that. Well, I'm not disregarding, but however, I do understand the fact is, is that the basketball IQ, and when you talk about a player, it goes back to what I said a few minutes ago. Again, when I was mentioning referencing Luca, when you have a player that's special, a guy that in a situation where at the end of the day, he affects that win-loss column. Yes, Michael could get 40, but yet they're winning. He's not getting 40, and then you turn around and look at it and say, oh, they're just like Trey Young, and they'll disrespect to him. But Trey Young, and you look up in the win column, they only got like four wins. So he's getting 40, and they're still winning. I'm just surprised at the fact that the matter is, what I'm saying in terms of, yes, that should be a foregone conclusion. Michael would win. Michael would be dominant, simply because the fact is the skill set and the basketball IQ. And what I said with you, in today's game, your IQ would clearly make up for maybe perhaps some of the lack of athleticism or whatever you want to call it. You know, we, we, you and I, I think we can settle this by saying, look, the game is different. Uh, you know, have, saying basketball IQ and all those things are great, are, you know, sounds good. But in the end, these young people are playing the game differently. It's a different game right now. And I think it's a fun conversation to compare eras, but the game is different. I want to move on here. At, at the beginning of the of the season this year, Juro, uh, we made a preseason prediction. And we wanted to pick two teams that would have the biggest increase in wins. One of the teams that I chose was the Lakers. I said with clearly, and I think I was correct on this, they're going to win more than 37 games this year. And there was the other team I think I'm probably not going to be accurate on. As I said, the Knicks. I thought they would win more than 17 games <laughs> this year. Jero, <laughs> you live there in New York. You are a New York Knicks fan through and through. No, I'm not. Don't do that. Yes, you are. You a Knicks fan. No, I'm not. I was paid by them. Well, you are for the show. We're going to you're in New York. So we're going to give you we're going to put fan on you right now. What's going on up there in Madison Square Garden? 
Well, I think the the narrative up here in New York City with the Knicks is one thing only. Who's sitting courtside? Uh, you go to the games now to see exactly who else is there and perhaps root for the other teams. Um, I was thinking about this a while ago, and I had a conversation with Charles Oakley and, about this, and we were just talking about how there is such a lack of respect for New York, Madison Square Garden, and 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 some of the things that are being said. You know, I think Kevin Durant said that it just didn't have the attraction, and all these other things. He chose Brooklyn, and it, it, it's it's really sad because to see exactly where the Knicks were at one point, battling your your Chicago Bulls to where they are now, uh, you know, with the whole situation with Charles Oakley, you know, and, and the incident with him and James Dolan. It's just a really, really sad state of basketball, uh, specifically associated with the New York Knicks here in New York. And I don't know what's it going to take because I think this, uh, the biggest thing is fans now are so impatient, BJ, that they perhaps have to catch lightning in a bottle. You know, they've been told so many times in the past, buy your season tickets, keep coming to the games. We're, we got such and such coming next year. You know, a couple of years ago, years ago, it was, oh, LeBron is coming. LeBron is coming. And people still supported the team. People sat there, waited, waited faithfully and were loyal. They ended up with Hamari Stoudemire, uh, to name a few. It, it's just always been something. Even when Carmelo Anthony came to New York, they have been patient, but it, it, it's, it's, it's required a lot longer time. And now when they thought that they were going to get Zion, they thought they were going to get KD, Kyrie, uh, Kevin Knox, all these pieces that were there. I think if you're a realist and you're a Knicks fan, you hope for the Knicks Summer League and see if they can win some games in there and hopefully they'll add them to their regular season total. Well, you know, just for the record, I, I'm I'm a Knicks fan. I'm rooting for the Knicks. I like the Knicks, but it's I I, I understand. And one of the things I always understood as a, as a as an ex player is coming into New York and Madison Square Garden was as, was a different game for me for our team than any game on the schedule. There is a electrifying excitement if you will every time i stepped into the madison square garden and it takes a certain type of person to to comprehend that you know there you know you play in other arenas you know you play in atlanta or cleveland you know that's another regular season game but when you play in madison square garden you you're in the mecca you're in basketball heaven and I have such an appreciation up there and, and up there. And I think the next great star that they do or they finally get that, that takes on that challenge, it's going to be an amazing, amazing time because New York is just great. I don't get it. I don't understand why more of our, our star players aren't entertaining that. But in saying that, my friend, I want to uh, thank you again. Appreciate it. We'd love to have you back on the show, Gerald. And uh, thanks again for all your wonderful insight. And again, where can we find you, Gerald, with uh, here on social media and, and radio and all the things that you're doing? Where can we find you? 
I'm on Twitter as well as Instagram, Gerald B-L-S-S. That's G-E-R-A-L-D, Bottom Line Sports Show, B-L-S-S. And that's every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Uh, thanks again. I really appreciate it. And BJ, I'm going to let you slide because you said you're keeping it real, but you're not perfect. But I'm trying to figure out how you have been a Knicks fan and continue to say you're a Knicks fan when you are a Chicago Bull through and through. And also you're from the Motor City. So stop it, BJ. But you know what? I'm just going to be a nice guest and I'm going to go ahead and keep my mouth closed because you ought to be ashamed of yourself. For saying that, I, 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 I am from Detroit. I did live in Chicago for many years, but Drew, Stop it, in BJ. New York City, that's where hip hop came from. And I've always recognized that city as the city that never sleeps. So go New York, go New York, go. Once again, thanks my friend. Have a good day and keep it pure. Appreciate it. Again, we wanna thank our good friend, Drew Brown for joining us here on the Pure Hoops podcast. And shortly after the taping today, it was announced that Knicks fire head coach David Fisdale. In the end, one thing stands out to me about the NBA. This league will always and shall remain a league that is based on two things, talent and toughness. Make no doubt about it, ladies and gentlemen, this will always be a player's league. We can place blame on coaches. We can place blame on executives. We can place blame on owners. The great players that have all played in this league have always erased the mistakes of all of the people that I just mentioned above. You can't win in this league without great players. And if there's one variable that has been missing in the New York era, it's been a great player. They need that player that can help them alleviate all of the things that have caused the problems and where we're pointing the fingers right now. On that, my friend, until next time, please join us here at the Pure Hoops Podcast. Stay pure, my friend, and we'll see you next week. And thanks again. The Pure Hoops Podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.